Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. Hey, so much better than first service. Don't tell them I said that. We love them, but I love the energy of second service. I'm fired up. Uh, man, I was, I was so fired up on my way home last night thinking about sharing what the Lord showed me. And uh, I, was, I was driving and I'm thinking to myself, why is everybody going so slow? And I looked down and I was going like 95 on 75. And so I was like, well, that's, that's why. Hey, um, I want to show you a picture. Um, my youngest, Luke, six, he's, uh, he's been drawing and uh, he's got a little notebook. He's been drawing pictures. And so um, he drew this picture. Uh, the other day it was him playing basketball. I was like, that's, that's really, really cool. Um, and then uh, after that, he drew, he drew this picture, okay? And uh, he told my wife, Jess, he said, he said, Mom, this is you. And she was like, oh, cool. She was like, um, am I like cooking food? Is that like, is that the stove? Am I putting something in the oven? And he goes, no, Mom. That's the door when they deliver food to our house. And I was like, hey, I told you guys. Kids don't lie, okay? The truth of a six-year-old. Come on. Hey, if you got a Bible, pull out your Bible. If you got an e-Bible, pull out your e-Bible. If you got something to take notes, pull that out. I, I want to encourage you, write down what the Lord speaks to you. I really believe that God's going to speak to you today. Um, I believe that this is a word that's going to encourage you and strengthen you. How many of you need encouragement today? You're like, I need encouragement. I need life. I need the Lord to fill me. Um, I want to say this. I said this at first service. Um, it doesn't matter if Jesus himself is here in the room. If you're not hungry for what God has in store for you, it's not going to matter. Amen. It's just going to be falling on deaf ears. And uh, let's not waste this time that we have with the Lord. Let's press into him. Let's let him speak to us and grow us and strengthen us. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the word of God. We value what you have to say, Lord. And we value the Holy Spirit that reveals you to us. And so Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus, reveal his glory, reveal his goodness, reveal all of him to us, that we may grow in the knowledge and the wisdom, just as Jesus did, grew in knowledge and wisdom. We ask for this now in Jesus' name. Everybody agreed, said? Amen. Amen. All right, we're going we're gonna to walk through uh, a few verses in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, we're going to walk through verses 5 through 8 today. We're going to just camp through 5 through 8. Uh, I was so excited Tuesday. The Lord showed me a bunch of things in Timothy, and then uh, I thought everything was set for the weekend, and then I got you know into a prayer time yesterday, and the Lord started revealing some new things to me in Timothy, and uh, it just showed me I had some different things. So I'm super excited. Uh, we're going to talk today about some things in Timothy. Next weekend, Jess is going to speak, and then the following weekend, we're going to jump back into Timothy and let the Lord speak to us, okay? Uh, verse 5, we're going to go through these verses and we're just going to kind of work our way through. Verse 5, as I think of your strong faith, Jesus desires what? For us to have strong 
faith in him. Because if we don't have strong faith in him, we won't make it to the end. Okay? I I need you to understand that. That I've been in ministry probably longer than some of you um, have known the Lord. And part of that, I've seen some amazing moments with the Lord where he supernaturally healed people. I've seen people that you would have never thought would ever give their life to Jesus come to the altar. I've seen all kinds of moves of God. But I've also seen all kinds of people that were passionately in love with Jesus walk away. And now have nothing to do. I don't care if they don't have anything to do with church. They have nothing to do with Jesus. And the Lord knows that he has to build your faith and your strength in him. Uh, Bill Johnson, he's a pastor of Bethel Church out in Redding, California. He always says this. This is his quote. He says, you have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. We have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable because the Lord will take us into these journeys of faith that will make us uncomfortable, but actually will build our faith. Did you get that? So I think there's sometimes, and I've said this before, where we're like rebuking the devil and the Lord's like, no, it's not the devil. It's me. I'm trying to grow you. I I, want to lead you. I want you to walk in faith. I want you to learn how to trust me because how many of you know that God always desires more? You know, at the beginning of the year, uh, I always, you know, really lean into the Lord and go, God, what are you saying for this upcoming year? And the Lord has never told me less. Amen. And I know that freaks us out sometimes. I mean, like every year I get into, you know, the new year, I go, Lord, what are you saying about our giving? Me and Jess personally, he always goes, he always goes more. I go, God, what are you saying about giving from the church this year? He always goes more. Right. He'll always say more. He'll say, hey, more ministries. You know, this year we're launching J High Ministry, which I'm super excited about. We launched. Yeah. I mean, isn't that amazing that we're going to have awesome junior high ministry for our kids? We launched our online. You know, our online is taking off right now and everything that's happening in the online world. Uh, We launched our prison ministry this year. It's always more. God always wants to do more. You know, this year he goes, hey, add another service. Do you know that since we've added another service, we're like so close to like, like every weekend we have like 400 people in both services every weekend. Isn't that awesome? Like God is always a God that wants to do more. He wants to take more uh, territory and he wants to build our faith. And the only way our faith grows is when we, Walk with him in faith. Do you understand that? Like, can I, can I just say this? And I'm just going to be, this is just me being a hundred with you, okay? There are a lot of churches that you can go in week in and week out and you'll never grow. I'm not mad at them, but that's just not our house. That's not who we are. My desire is that every year you look back 12 months ago, man, I can't believe all the things that God did in my life. I can't believe how God used me. I can't believe how my faith grew, that we're constantly growing in him, strong faith. All right, back to verse five. As I think of your strong faith that was passed down through your family line, it began with your grandmother, Lois, and was passed on to your dear mother, Eunice, and it is clear that you too, 
are following in the footsteps of their godly example. Um, put up that first picture for me. Uh, this is my grandparents. Aren't they good looking? Just a good looking older couple. Man, I'm like, I want some white hair like him someday. I want to be tan, okay? Um, for you that don't know, my, my dad left when I was three and my mom just had some, uh, just some stuff that uh, she needed my grandparents to take over. And so uh, my grandparents became uh, my parents. And my, so my grandma, she just loved, there's probably three things that she really passionately loved. She loved prayer. She loved worship and she loved the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, I would wake up many mornings. Uh, number one, two, have you, any of you ever had Swedish pancakes? They're like real thin, like crepes. Okay. My grandma could make homemade Swedish pancakes. Okay. And, uh, I would wake up to the smell of, of Swedish pancakes and I would hear her doing one or two things. Either she was praying, she was worshiping, or she was speaking in tongues. I just woke up to the presence of God. I didn't really know it. I didn't even really understand it. it like, like the presence of God was just so normal to me. It's just what I grew up in. Okay? So that was my grandma. Um, next picture. Uh, this is a picture of my mom. Uh, she went to uh, be with the Lord uh, a couple years ago. And um, my mom was the same way. My mom loved prayer. My mom loved worship. My mom loved the Holy Spirit. She just craved those things. I can't tell you how many times I would, you know, there was times in the middle of the day, you know, I'd come home, ride my bike, walk in. She's just in the living room, worshiping the Lord, praising God. Like, this was just normal. This was just my normal life. Next picture. See, what happens is this. I grow up like this. I just grow up in the presence of God. I just grow up in the Holy Spirit. I just grow up in prayer. So all of a sudden, what my grandma was passionate about, prayer, worship, the Holy Spirit, what happens? My mom now is passionate about those things. And then what happens? I'm passionate about those things. I love prayer. I love like, like my favorite place on earth is when this room is empty and it is just me and Jesus. You can ask the staff. They walk in on me all the time. They're always like, oh gosh, he's in here, you know? And it's just, and, but it's my favorite thing. I love worship. I love the Holy Spirit. So then what happens? Another generation, right? It goes generation to generation to generation where my son's on stage Sunday mornings and he's leading us at 16 years old into the presence of God. Why? Because it moves. And guess what happens from generation to generation? It gets stronger and stronger and stronger. The anointing builds. The grace builds. The strength builds. So let me ask you a question. Single, married, grandparents, young. Let me ask you a question. What are you passing down? What are you going to pass down 
into the next generation. A couple years ago, I uh, was on staff at a church up in Dayton. We had uh, somebody in our church, their, their dad passed away, and, you know, I was on deck to take that funeral. And, um, you know, number one, doing funerals that I don't know somebody's, they're tough. You know, I don't know them. I don't know their story. I don't know who they are. And so um, I just kind of threw myself into it. And like, I remember like sitting down with the family and going like, hey, you know, like what, what can I share? What can I talk about? What can I, you know, uh, give some insight to? And, um, and they started talking about like Ohio State football. And now I'm super thankful for Ohio State football, okay? I'm a Chicago Bears fan, and I just got Justin Fields, okay? I am like, listen, my jersey is on order, okay? I'll probably have it on next Sunday, I promise you, okay? And I understand Ohio, like, listen, I didn't get it until I moved to Ohio. Like, Ohio State football is like a religion here, okay? I mean, it's like... When the Buckeyes are on, we're going to, like, shut our entire life down. You know, Saturdays are for the Buckeyes. I, I understand that. But I remember they would, the only thing, the only thing they could talk about was how much he loved Ohio State football. And if I'm just being honest, like, that's just sad. That's not eternal. Jesus talks about wood, hay, and stubble. What will burn in his presence? What's going to burn at the feet of Jesus? Listen, I love sports as much as anybody, but I know that none of that will last and none of that will matter. The only thing that's going to matter is what I pass on to the next generation. In the next generation, I want them to have a passion and a love for Jesus Christ. And I want them to have a passion for worship and a passion for prayer and a passion for his presence. And this is what Paul is talking to Timothy about. He's challenging them. Verse six. Okay. He goes this. I'm writing to encourage I'm writing to encourage. I don't know about you, but for me, growing up in church, I probably left unencouraged more times than I left encouraged. Can I get an amen from anybody? Growing up in church, it was, I just, I always felt like I was wrong. I always felt like I didn't add up. I always felt like I couldn't, you know, like, this is the bar to follow Jesus, and I'm way down here, you know? And I just felt like I could never get there. And Paul is talking to a young Timothy, and he goes, I want to encourage you. I, I, I think Jesus, that's the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father goes, I want to encourage my people. Whenever I'm praying for you on Saturdays, I feel God's love and grace for you incredible ways. It's just like waves of his love. Why? Because he goes, I really love them. I really, really love you. And he goes, I want to encourage you. And sometimes we need to be encouraged because sometimes we're just in a fight. Right? Like life's just a fight. It's just a battle. 
Sometimes we're battling with, you know, our, our ex-spouse. We're battling with an ex. You know, how many of you have an ex? You know what I mean? You're like, oh gosh, I never want to see that person again. You know what I mean? We're battling. Some of us are battling to be noticed in life. We have this deep desire. I want to be noticed in life. We're battling to find a new job. We're battling to find the right spouse. We're battling to find the right time for that dream that you've had in your heart. We're battling. We need encouragement. Sometimes we need to be encouraged to just stand strong for Jesus. I believe that Elevate Church is a refuge for people to find strength in the year 2021. Totally believe that. It's just hard to stand for Jesus right now. I'm not going to say it's easy. Everything you say goes against culture. Everything you do is, you know, culture cancel. You know what I mean? Like, like they want to cancel you as soon as you say anything about Jesus. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. It's hard to live for Jesus. I understand that. There needs to be a place that you come and you are encouraged. And you find life. You need to be encouraged that Jesus will never fail you. He'll never leave you. He'll stand so close to you, even in the moments when you fail him. That's a good word right there. Because we all fail him. We all miss the mark. We're all like screwing up. Like I'm screwing up all the time. You know, like the other day, man, it was Monday. I was tired. And I I mean... This person driving, I, I thought, oh my gosh, if I had a truck, I would run you over right now, you know what I mean? And I'm like driving by, you know, telling them they're number one, and Jess is like, who are you? I'm like, I don't know. We all fail. We need to be encouraged that Jesus won't leave us when we fail. Paul's reminding a young Timothy, you can trust Jesus. Paul's reminding, remember, Timothy's young. He's young in his faith. He's got shaky faith. That's okay. It's all right when you have shaky faith. That's why you have a church. That's why you have people to stand with you. When when your faith is shaky, somebody can come alongside you and go, you know, it's all right, I got you. We're going to stand in faith with you. And, and Paul's talking to Timothy, and he goes, I know, Timothy, that sometimes you're going to struggle. And sometimes the struggle, the real struggle is this. Does Jesus really want the best for me? I know he wants good things for other people, but I'm a terrible person, so why would he want the best for me? Right? Can you imagine if we walked around with a true revelation that Jesus loves me? I know we sing that Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. You know what I mean? It's like we grow up with this, but it's not like real revelation because if it's real revelation, you would walk with your head real high and you'd go, the God of the universe is for me today. When I woke up, he woke up and he celebrated me and he's for me. He's for my job. He's for my family. He's for my kids. He's for my future. He's for me. And sometimes, listen, I get it. Like, I remember one time somebody goes, you're just real arrogant. I go, no, I just really know who I am in Jesus. And I know the line's real close. It's real close. 
But when I wake up in the morning, I wake up and I go, thank you, Jesus. You died for me. If there was nobody else to die for, you would have died for me. You would have done all this just for me. Paul wants to remind Timothy that like, hey, when you feel like you have no future, because remember, Paul felt like that at times. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was beaten. Paul was falsely accused. Paul was in prison for Jesus. He's going, hey, Timothy, I want to encourage you with this word. Don't give up. You know who makes the best followers of Jesus? Not the smartest people. Not the most enlightened people. But the people that just don't give up. They just don't give up. You talk to people in their 70s, 80s, and they've been following Jesus for a long time, they'll tell you the same thing. I just didn't give up. I just kept, I just kept coming back to the cross over and over again. And they'll tell you all kinds of messed up stories of their life, but how the grace of God covered it and how God's goodness reigned over them and how God helped them and strengthened them. They'll just talk about, I just didn't give up. I, I tell you this much. I'm not the best pastor in the world. I'm just the pastor that'll never give up. I just keep coming back every Sunday. I just keep showing up. I just keep praying. I just keep trusting God. I just keep looking at him. I just don't give up because he hasn't given up on me. Amen. Isn't this word encouraging you? It was encouraging me when the Lord was showing it to me. Verse six says this. I'm writing to encourage you to do what? To fan into flame. What does that mean? It means that there are these embers. Have you ever gone to a bonfire and the flame's gone? But there's these hot embers. They're still hot. They're still glowing. But there's no flame. And so you know, like, we got we to gotta breathe life onto this fire. Right? We got to get some fresh wind onto this fire. Because we need to get this fire raging again. He goes, I want to encourage you to what? To fan the flame. What does that mean? It means this that Paul understands that we have busy lives. Can I get an amen from anybody? And he understands that sometimes we get weak in our walk with the Lord. And we got to fan it. Okay? The Aramaic translates it this way. To excite the gift or to awaken. To excite the gift or to awaken. I'm pumped for Kings Island. Anybody else pumped for Kings Island? <laughs> Some of you are like, uh, okay, well, God bless you. God. I love that feeling when you're going to get on Banshee, okay? Or, you know, one of these crazy rides. And you're in line, and like my hands are just like dripping sweat, and my heart is beating. You're like, oh, I feel alive. Paul's going, I need you to feel alive about Jesus again, right? I need this flame to, to rage in your heart. Romans 8, uh, Romans 8 gives us some understanding of how to fan the flame, okay? Romans 8, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 10. It says this, now Christ, Christ is Jesus. Jesus, it says, Jesus lives where? 
He lives in you. Yes. Okay. When what? When you accept Jesus. Accepting Jesus is what? I accept Jesus as the Lord of my life. I'm no longer the Lord of my life. And when he's the Lord of my life, now I deny my sinful desires. Right? I remember like when I gave my life to the Lord, like grew up having sex, and then I gave my life to the Lord, and then I was like, you know what? I can't do that anymore. I'm going to deny my flesh. I'm going to put the Lord first. Amen? So he's my Lord now. I deny my flesh and I worship him. This is giving your life to the Lord. So when you give your life to the Lord, it says the Lord now lives in you. Thank God that God lives in us. All right? It goes on and says this. And even though your body may be dead to the effects of sin, don't you know that there are some sins that just bring death to your body? Okay, I mean, like, back it up in a big truck and dump it at my house, all right? Somebody, some, somebody, a beautiful couple in our church made me the other day, they made me a homemade apple crumble cheesecake. Oh, Jesus. It was beautiful, okay? But how do you know it? Man, if I eat enough of that... It's going to hurt my body. Look, there are some sin in our life that just, there are effects that are beyond just just the temporal life. It affects our whole entire body. But it says this, his life-giving spirit imparts life. So Jesus imparts life into you. To what? To become fully accepted by God. What does this mean to become fully accepted by God? It means this. That Jesus deposits righteousness into your account. It's like when the IRS deposits a refund into your bank account, and you're like, thank you, Jesus. It is a good day. You know what I mean? You see those numbers in your bank account, you're like, we're going on a trip, somebody. We're going to the ocean, right? Okay. It's the same thing. Before Jesus... Look, somebody had to pay for your sin. There had to be an offering made. And Jesus gave his life, an offering to pay for your sin. Clear it all. And then he does what? He deposits righteousness into your account. What does righteousness mean? It means this, that you are in right standing right now with Jesus Christ and that he loves you. I grew up in church my entire life and never understood this. How sad is that? I grew up, I mean, I was there on Sundays and Wednesdays and Tuesdays. I was there like almost every day of the week. And I did not understand this. I would come into service every Sunday and be like, man, God hates me. God is so frustrated at me. God is so mad at me. Do you think you want to be at church when you feel like that? Jesus goes, no, 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 no. Let's correct this. I'm not mad at you. I want to deposit my righteousness into you and make you right so that you are in right standing with me. So that when you come to me, there's no guilt. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. All you get is my love. What an amazing God we serve. Verse 11. 
Yes, God raised Jesus to life. If you got a Bible, underline that. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. This is so important. Like I said in worship, if we don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, and I'm not talking about just the spirit of Jesus. I'm talking about his physical body, Jesus Christ. Listen, uh, remember Doubting Thomas when he came to Jesus and Jesus said, feel, touch. I want you to touch my hands. What He wasn't touching a spirit. He's touching a body, right? He's touching the body. So the power of God raises Jesus, Jesus Christ, back to life from death, hell, in the grave. Did you know that Jesus went to hell for you? What do you think he was doing those three days? He was making a payment. He's paying the price. He goes to death, hell, conquers it all, raises victoriously. Now listen, if we don't believe this, there is no point of us being here today. There's no point. There's no point of believing in Jesus. Because if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, neither will we. Did you get that? And if we're not going to rise with Jesus after we die, then we're just here for no reason. We're literally here on earth for zero reason. That means that we're just going to work, pay taxes, and die. Right? And then our bodies are going to decompose and we're going to become dust. What a pointless life. I remember being 19 years old. I worked construction. I made a ton of money. I was in a union. I was single. And I would get paid every Friday more money than I needed. I had this, remember the Chevy uh, Blazer, the Michael Jordan car? I had the Michael Jordan car, okay? I had big subs in the back. I mean, you could hear me for miles away, okay? You'd be like, that dude's coming down the road. I'm just blasting Tupac down the road, okay? <laughs> and, and, every, and I just, I remember getting to this one night. I, I'll be very honest with you. I was very drunk about five o'clock in the morning, very drunk, very high. And I thought to myself, is this it? I have money, I have women, I have power, I have everything I want. Is this it? And I remember at five o'clock in the morning, I sobered up like that. And the Lord goes, no, there's more. He spoke directly to my heart. He said, no, there's more. And then the next week, my sister invited me to this youth group called Cross Current. And it changed the rest of my life. The power of God is amazing. But there's more. And we have to believe that Jesus was rose, that he rose from the dead. So verse 11, it says this, but if we believe, if we believe that Jesus rise from the dead, and since God's spirit of reconciliation lives in you, he, Jesus, will also raise your body to life. Amen? By the same spirit that breathes life into you. So, this is saying what? The same spirit 
that was in Jesus Christ and rose him and tore him out of hell and brought him back to life where he became victorious king of kings, that same spirit lives in you. The exact same one to bring life to you. And Paul goes, I want you to fan this into your life. Like, like Jess said in worship, this needs to be a daily understanding. Jesus died his grace abounds. He died for me and he rose victoriously. And now I'm seated at the right hand of the father with Jesus. I'm righteous because of him. Yes, yes. Clap for that. When, when you live with that kind of reality in your heart, the, the, the flame starts to grow. The passion grows. This passion starts to, to rise and, and it becomes... It becomes more than this religious thing. Who cares about religion? I mean, I just, I, 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 religion just makes me sick. There, there's this, I, I'm, I'm, man, I'm going to get myself in trouble right now, okay? There, there's this Catholic station uh, in Cincinnati. It's called like uh, 910 something, the heart or whatever. I'll turn it on sometimes. I'll be like, you're so close. You are so close to the truth, but you are so far away. And the enemy loves it. He loves tricking people. He loves giving them just enough taste of spirituality to make them feel like they're okay. I don't want this. I want Jesus. I want the real, authentic Jesus that died and gave everything for me. That's what I want. I want to live a daily life with him where his grace and his love is encouraging me every single day. Where he goes, hey, I know you just flipped that person off. But Jeff, I really love you and I have more in store for you. That's how he thinks about us. Oh, man, I want to burst right now. Verse 6, back to Timothy. He said, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into the flame, to rekindle the fire of spiritual gifts that God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. Verse 7, for God will never give you a spirit of fear. When I was eight, I went to my buddy's house. How many of you remember Blockbuster Video, okay? Go rent some movies. So him and his family, they went rent some movies. They got popcorn. They got some candy. And I was going to his house to watch a movie. And I remember asking, like, what movie are we watching? Remember, I'm eight. I'm eight. So I'm thinking, like, we're watching, like, you know, um, remember, like, the G.I. Joe movie or, like, Transformers or, you know, man, those were good shows. Come on, all right? And he goes, he goes, we're watching this movie called Freddy Krueger. And I was like, okay, you know what I mean? I didn't sleep for like four months after I watched that movie, okay? I promise you, if my grandma was alive, she, she would testify of it because she was in the room, you know, you know, just praying over me, casting the devil out. Because, I mean, that freaked the crap out of me, okay? I was like, nah, 
No, if, if he's in hell, I'm not going to hell in Jesus' name. You know what I mean? Okay? So when we hear this, he goes, he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Okay? We think about, you know, scary things. That's not what Paul's talking about. Okay? What Paul is talking about is the fear of man. That we would have a fear of God and that the fear of God would push out the fear of man. That's what Paul's really talking about. Okay, And so what Paul is talking about, Paul is talking about a really raw place to be at with Jesus. This is a place where your approval 100% comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. Okay? Now, now I, I want to I jump into this for a second, okay? Because we crave approval. We crave it. And I don't care how much you say you don't, you do. You watch how many likes you get. You watch how many people repost your thing. It's amazing how everybody reposts what somebody had posted about them. It's like, oh, look, the world's celebrating me. We crave it. We crave our friend's approval. Right? Like, we want to know, do you like my house? Do you like my car? Am I successful enough? Am I pretty? Do you approve of me? Do you accept me? We crave this. From people, let's just be real, and all the young ones in here, you crave it from people that don't give a crap about you. We are, but hey, all the adults, you're the same people. You're just grown-up teenagers. Amen? We're like, yeah, they're all being dumb. No, you're dumb too, okay? We're posting 40 pictures of our vacation. We're like, like me, like me. Tell me I'm great. Right? We crave approval. We crave the approval of our family. Right? Are you proud of me? Do you, do you accept me? Will you love me when I fail? Do I, here's the big one. Do I live up to your expectations? We're craving this. We crave the attention from our boss, our coach. I, I remember being in ninth grade getting cut from the team. Why should that matter today at all? Because it's a wound. And we want to know. Did I do a good job? Did I make the grade? Did I make the team? I want the approval of my spouse. I've been looking at some pictures of me and Jess from like 20 years ago, and I'm like, man, Pastor Jeff does not look like Pastor Jeff of 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, do you still love me? Do you still think I'm attractive? Look, we're always looking. I remember, I remember for years, I was looking for the approval of my family, the same family that told me not to go into ministry. So every time they would come to visit when I was a youth pastor or when, I, we, you know, when we started a church, I just craved, I wanted them to say so badly, good job. Why? We crave the attention. Am I successful? You know, like, like you know, I grew up super poor, super poor. There's a part of me that always wants to go, Tell me I'm okay. Tell me I'm enough now. Tell me that I'm successful enough. 
And Paul goes, Timothy, the Lord wants to strip all this away. He doesn't want you to fear men anymore. He wants you to only fear him. He wants you to know the only thing that matters is this moment where you're face to face with Jesus and he goes, well done. I love you. I'm proud of you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I would do anything for you. He goes, here's the deal. Oh, gosh. My heart is like exploding for you because I know what it feels like to live day by day wanting other people's approval. It will run you ragged. It'll wear you out. It'll give you stress and anxiety. It will cost you everything. Think about how many people are on severe depression medicine because they didn't get the approval of somebody. Because the Lord goes, I want to strip this away. I want you to know real freedom and what it feels like in me. I want you to know that it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks about you. Because let me tell you this. If you're going to really follow Jesus, you're going to make decisions that aren't going to please the world. And they're going to talk crap about you. And they're going to hate you. And they're not going to be nice. And Paul goes, I need you to come to this place where you're okay. You're confident enough. Man, I woke up and I heard the voice of my father. Listen, I just, there's nothing more. Like, I've gone, I remember like thinking, if I can just go on this trip, I'll be happy. I just get my feet in the sand, right? Just get my feet in the sand. Or, you know, once I get this car, once I get this, then I'll be happy. My favorite thing in the world, and I mean this with all sincerity, like all sincerity, my favorite thing in the world is when this room is empty and it's just me and Jesus. Like, guys, I I can't tell you how much I crave that. But it's the one place that I find my security. It's the one, listen, I love you when you tell me that I did a good job on Sunday. I love when you tell me that, you know, that, you know, we love the church. But to be honest with you, what really matters is when Jesus tells me it. That really fills my tank. Is this good today? All right, verse six. I'm writing to encourage you to fan the flame, to rekindle the fire of spiritual gifts imparted to you when I laid my hands on you. For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but what will he give you? If he won't give you the spirit of fear, what will he give you? It says it right here. He'll give you the Holy Spirit. He'll give you the Holy Spirit that gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. So the Aramaic translates it this way, that the Holy Spirit will give you what? Revelation and insight. Revelation and insight. That's you, Zach, right? Yeah. So in the back, yeah, wave your hand. Everybody look back there, okay? That, that's Zach Kramer. He's been a part of our church for a long time. 
And um, a few years ago, uh, Zach was working for, um, it's a company called Duncan, and uh, he worked down at Lunkin, uh, the air field down there, had a great job, made great money. Um, I remember one day I was with him at lunch, and he was like, I got to take this call. He's like, it's Jerry Seinfeld. And I'm like, yeah, right. You know, and he's like, no, it's, it's Jerry Seinfeld right now. He's mad about something with this plane. I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, take that call. You know, I, like, I can wait, okay? And I remember, he go, I remember one day he goes, the Holy Spirit's talking to me about starting this other company, leaving my job, leaving it all, start this company. And I was like, yeah, trust the Lord. <laughs> right? Trust the Lord. Leave your job, leave your security, leave money, trust the Lord. And that's exactly what he did. The Lord gave him revelation and insight. And so me and him were talking a couple weeks ago and I go, man, hey, how are, how are things going? And, uh, and he goes, man, there's some really exciting things happening. And when you're talking about business, you're thinking like, man, we're selling a bunch of product, we're making a bunch of money, the you know, company's growing, and you know, like there's no problems. That's that's what we all want, right? Okay. And I go, well, what kind of exciting things are happening? And he goes, Man, some really cool stuff's happening. We're doing this textile side of our company. And he goes, There's a bunch of old women that know how to sew. And we're giving them jobs. And he goes, they don't know anything about the internet. They don't know anything about technology. But, they're the, but they are these forgotten women. But they have these skills. And now we're giving them a job. And we're giving them hope. And I'm like, oh my gosh. He goes, he goes it's so exciting. He goes, we're hiring men straight out of prison. He goes, these guys have no jobs. They have no ability to get a job. And we're giving them an opportunity to have a job and to make money. And do you know that when somebody that comes out of prison gets a job, they are 90% more likely to never go back to prison? I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit gave Zach revelation and insight to follow him. We need revelation and insight. We need it with our kids. I came home Friday night. It's been a long few weeks, and I came home Friday night. I went to a, uh, actually went to the Reds-Cubs game. Somebody in our church uh, had some tickets and really wanted to take me, so I went to the game, and uh, the Reds kicked my Cubs butt, and um, it was a good night for him and a bad night for me, and so I get home. It's like 11.30, and I walk by Ben's room. That's my middle son. And I just felt the Holy Spirit go, go sleep with him tonight. Now, this is the last thing that I want to do, okay? That child moves like a wild animal in the night, okay? You're like sleeping next to him and he just like hits you in the face. You're like, why God? What did I do to deserve this, okay? So I go and shower, go back to his room, we watch a couple episodes of this Disney show. And I just I sleep. And again, he was a wild animal that night. And I didn't sleep much of that night. But you know what happened the next day? He, he just hugged me. He said, Dad, thanks for sleeping with me last night. I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit knows what my kids need. 
yesterday, me and Jess, we were driving down I-75, and there's this building that we really wanted before this building. You, you remember this. We, we, we took all the elders. I thought it's perfect. It's right off I-75. We'll put our, our sign out there. Everybody will know where we're at. And we drove by this building, and Jess looked at me, and she goes, aren't you thankful that we're not in that building? Because that building was like 10 times smaller than this building. And I'm so thankful that I didn't get what I really wanted because I have an elder team that has revelation and insight. And they looked at me and they said, nope, this isn't what God has in store for us. See, we need the Holy Spirit to be able to speak into our lives and to give us this revelation and insight. And so Paul is speaking to young Timothy. He goes, hey, I want you to fan the flame. Okay, I want you to not have a spirit of fear. I want you to get full of the Holy Spirit so you have full of knowledge and wisdom and revelation. And then in verse eight, the last thing he says to him, he says this, so you'll never be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Worship team, you guys can come on up. He tells Timothy, he goes, listen, I want you to get to a place in your relationship with Jesus that you have this fire for Jesus that's burning in your soul. I want you to get to this place in your relationship with Jesus that you know who you are in him. I want you to get to this place with Jesus where you don't fear men anymore. I'm not going to lie. Some of the scariest moments with the Lord is when I'm like out to eat. He talks to me all the time about waiters. And I'm like, dang it, God, I don't know this person. And he'll go, hey, grab her hand. And he'll go, do you fear me or do you fear her? Do you fear her? I was at Kroger's recently. I'm just done with COVID. I'm just to be honest with you, okay? I was done a long time ago. And, you know, there's plexiglass and there's, you know, all the procedures and everything. And I just looked at this lady and I go, are you tired? Because I knew the Holy Spirit told me that she was tired. And she goes, I'm exhausted. She's like, I've been working double shifts. Like, life's just... It's just hard right now. And I go, can I pray for you? And she goes, I would love that. And I just push this stupid plexiglass away, okay? And I grab her hand. And you would have thought, like, the whole store gasped. They're like, what is happening right now? A human is touching another human right now. And I just grabbed her hands. I said, can I pray for you? And I just started to pray for her in the middle of Kroger, in the, in the, in the aisle way. And she starts sobbing and God's grace starts pouring out. And I'm talking to her and I start getting prophetic unction. And I go, God loves you. He's for you. And I had this word for her about her daughter. The Lord just gave me this word and she is just a mess. And she, and I like, there's like managers now coming around and they're and like, like, they don't know what to do. They're like, what in the world do we do right now? You know what I mean? And everybody's watching. Do you fear man or do you fear God? 
That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. He goes, I want you to get to the place that you're never intimidated by man. You never back down to man. Paul, I want to get you to the place that you have total confidence in me. I want to get you to the place that you're never ashamed of Jesus. Ever. Like never. We got some pretty amazing families in the church. And I'm really excited about every family in the church. But there's some families that have recently came. There's this one family. In the last probably five months, they've probably brought 15 new families to Elevate Church. Why? Because they just talk about Jesus all the time to everybody. And they tell them where they're going and what's happening. And you know what my favorite thing is that they tell them? They tell them this. They always say, Jesus is there. They don't talk about me, which I don't care. They don't talk about our, our you know, set and our lights. They don't talk about our building. What do they talk to people about? They go, I'm going to tell you, if you come with me, Jesus is going to be there. And this is what they tell them. I love this so much. They go, come with me, come sit with me. Come sit with me. I used to tell our youth kids all the time, I promise you, if you invite somebody, there'll be a couple that'll deny you probably eight out of 10 times. People will go, yeah, I'll come. Tell a family, say, hey, listen, come sit with me as service. And then afterwards, we'll go, we'll go to first watch. Who doesn't like pancakes? Who doesn't like cinnamon rolls, okay? Right? But you tell them, hey, listen, I know you've been to church before. I know you've been around religion before, but I want to invite you somewhere where Jesus is there. He's there. He's there. And when he is there, he'll, he'll, he'll come alive to you. Amen? Paul speaking to Timothy goes, I want to encourage you, Timothy. Don't give up. Trust Jesus. He's in your corner. He's fighting the battle for you. I sometimes wish, I wish sometimes we could tear the veil back and that we could see all the angels. I wish we could see all the angels here on Sunday mornings. Yesterday I was praying, and I know this will sound goofy and, and odd, but I don't care what it sounds like. I was praying and I just saw, I saw the tent and I saw it open and I saw heaven and I saw angels ascending and descending, ascending and descending. What does that mean? It means that they're just bringing gifts from God down to earth. God's coming with healing to heal your body. God's coming to heal your emotions. God's coming to heal you, to strengthen you, to encourage you. It's called an open heaven and that's where I want to live I want to live in an open heaven where the spirit of God is coming down and it's real and it's authentic and the Holy Spirit breathes life back into your soul and you come alive yes you come alive to the goodness of God and when you come alive to the goodness of God your heart explodes and you go I got to tell everybody about it I just got to tell everybody about it Jesus is just that good that I gotta tell everybody about it. I'll never forget when Jesus came alive to me.
and I lost the fear of man. I remember going to all my old drinking buddies, going to all my old boys that I used to, you know, smoke dope with and, and sell drugs with. And I remember telling them all, like, I didn't care anymore. I was just like, listen, I'm serving Jesus. You can come with me or not, but I want you to know, like, Jesus is real and I love it. And I remember that fear of man just stripped off me. And it was the greatest feeling in the world. And to this day, I don't fear any of you. I love all of you, but I don't fear any of you. People talk crap about me all the time. People write emails about me all the time. People have things to say about this church and me all the time. And I'll be honest with you, I don't care. I literally care about what Jesus Christ has to say to me. Amen? Why don't you stand up this morning?